You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers, so uh, let's just get started. Hey, Kyle again. So, yeah, we played the opposite of complimentary football in that first half. And while I think I understand what they were trying to do, it just, like, absolutely didn't take into account at all the reality of our team, I thought. So maybe the plays, I mean, I would love to see LaFleur just kind of get rid of some of the plays that are so, like, if they don't work, we lose 15 yards, those kind of plays. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, I I appreciate that he's digging deep into his bag. I really do. I like the aggressiveness. I I, I really think that that should be applauded. Um, You know, he could play it safe and we could be a safe team, and if we fail safe, then everyone gets mad, because, like, everyone gets mad at Joe Barry. Why? Because he's soft. He's safe. He plays safe. And we hate that. 90% of the fan base wants him gone because he plays it safe. I think we like the aggression. It's just, it just hasn't panned out. Um, Now, we could say, listen, for now, let's dial it back until we can kind of get things into a little bit more of a rhythm. But, you know, I don't know, man. Um, There's a part of me that understands, look, this is going to be our identity. This is how we're going to play. We're going to be the Miami Dolphins. We're going to be the, you know, the the Rams back when they weren't trash. Um, I don't know if the 49ers are the the best, um, you know, maybe even like the Chiefs a little bit. We're going to mix it up. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to keep you off balance. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep our foot on the gas, and it's just a matter of talking to the guys and saying, listen, this is how we play. Catch up. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it might look ugly at first. Um, and, and maybe he will. Maybe he will back down. I'm just I'm worried about that a little bit in terms of getting too complacent and saying, fine, let's just, let's just you know do the old run-run pass. You know, we'll run the ball up the middle with Aaron Jones, and hopefully he gets something, and then on, you know, we'll do it again, and then hopefully it's third and short, and then we'll either give it to Dylan or we'll give it to Jones or maybe we'll run some little screen pass or something. Hopefully we can get, you know, a little end around with Christian Watson, which probably gets blown up behind the line of scrimmage or whatever, or a, try to uh, slant, you know, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think, I think all of us appreciate it, but everybody's upset. It's not working. Um, it's the team that we all want. It's the team we all want to watch. It's the team we all want to be. Um, there's just been a, a slight lapse in execution. And um, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they're still feeling this whole process out, but I do like that Matt LaFleur came out swinging and just said, we are going to be the tip of the spear in the NFL. We're going to be the ones leading the charge. I mean, that's that's the whole point with this, you know, the, the play caller series is these, these are like the, the brainiacs in the NFL. And Matt wanted to kind of unleash that a little bit and unleash Jordan Love. And to be honest, I mean, it, for the most part, it's worked. I mean, that's when we've been at our best. Granted, it's because we kind of have to be because Aaron Jones has been hurt and whatnot. But I don't know. I don't know if I want him to take the foot off the gas or not. Uh, maybe a little bit. 
especially in the beginning of the game, because obviously we're getting off to a really slow start, and maybe that's a part of it. You know, you, you got a quarterback coming out cold, a, a team that's coming out cold, and you're trying to just stab the gas, and maybe it needs to be warmed up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't fully know exactly how I feel about it. But um, I, I know that optimally we're executing exactly what Matt LaFleur wants us to do. Whether we bridge that for now with let's ease into it or keep our foot on the gas and say frickin' catch up, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because they remain in the game plan, and we're just not good enough. Like, we can't yeah. overcome second and 17. You know what I mean? Like, so I thought whether it was penalties or whether it was just these bad plays for negative yards or, I mean, there was definitely some plays where Love should have just you know, I get it. He's trying to make a play, but right. you got to just dump. You got to just turf that ball, take the L on the down, and not get a big sack on a couple of those early on. But there was a lot of situations where we had negative plays, and you knew we were in trouble after that. I thought they were kind of struggling to figure out how to get Watson back yes. integrated. I agree. Um, the thing that well, and you also have to wonder, and I I have a sneaking suspicion they kind of had a good idea who was playing and who wasn't. But it, it's tough week to week to not know who's going to be playing. We don't know who our, what our offensive line is going to look like. I'm sure we have contingencies on top of our contingencies. You know, if this guy plays or this guy doesn't play or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and that's the same with the wide receivers. So you know, you build out a plan, and we had a very short week to build a plan without 100 percent knowing who's playing and who's not. Um, I'm hopeful that coming into this game with a lot of time to prepare that we can really iron out a plan that includes Aaron Jones and includes Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. Like, this is our core here, right? Elton Jenkins probably out. Bakhtiari's on IR. So we know what our offensive line is. I hope, right? Hopefully Zach Tom is okay. You know, hopefully Luke Musgrave is okay. But... I, I just I think that that is a, a, a key component to this. We're, we're a team that's trying to... I mean, it's similar to what happened last year in terms of we kind of knew who our guys were going to be, and then some guys were getting hurt, and then also Lazard was proving not to be a number one, and Sammy Watkins was proving to be useless. So we had to kind of force some guys into a prominent role, but then they got hurt, and it was just kind of a big mess, and we're kind of in that same situation where we're trying to get into a rhythm and build an identity of a team that is Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, uh, Jaden Reed. That Those are our primary receiving weapons with Aaron Jones, and it just it hasn't been able to happen. So I'm hopeful, with more time to prepare, we can put together a better offensive performance than we have been, especially starting out of the gate, um, by knowing who our guys are and building a, a game plan around the guys that are going to be playing. Drives me a little bit crazy from the play calling standpoint or the game plan standpoint was a lot of long developing plays and and I we saw this at the end of well we've seen it we saw it with Rogers sometimes definitely the late, latter years of the McCarthy era where we're getting terrible pressure on the quarterback yet we're doing five step long developing plays and I mean there was a couple plays where yeah Love had the guy. And I'm sure people complain. But then you go back and watch. He can't. There's a couple of those. He cannot step into the throw whatsoever. Right. Yeah, the interior I mean, there, was I a disaster. I can't remember. It was like in the late third, early fourth. He has a guy. It's a three-step. He he gets three steps. He can get halfway into his release. And there's a, I don't know, was it, somebody was right in his lap. And, you know, yeah, that's going to be real difficult for anybody. I thought, you know, the picks he threw, I mean, kind of forgivable. I mean, the first one. Look, if you're going to run play action and everybody knows you can't, you're not even trying to run the ball. I think it was Anzalone. I don't remember who, whoever the linebacker was. Just dropped. Just, just right. didn't respect his run. Yeah, it it really was like a half-hearted. Like they stepped into it and then immediately dropped. So yeah, I I I, I think you're right about that. They kind of you you have to always to some degree expect it, but you're you're moving forward slowly and moving backwards rapidly. And I think that was essentially what happened. Assignment whatsoever there. Drop back, get the ball, intercepted, you know? And then we saw what happened with Dobbs and them. You know, I get it. We're going to have growing pains, but I think the coaches need to recognize the situation with the offensive line on offense and make some plays that help us out a little bit on there. 
far as the run defense, man, yeah, I got nothing for you there. I don't either. That's a problem. All right, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I kind of just, I've given up on the defense a little bit. I mean, they're going to have good days. They're going to have good games. They're going to have great performances. We're going to have tons of pressure games because um, that's how we're built. I'm sure the corners are going to step up at times. We're going to see a big Jair game, a big Razul game. Um, but it's not going to be consistent, and there are teams that are just going to bleed us. We, we don't have a good enough defense to even compete like as a playoff team, and that's supposed to be the better part of our team. Um I'm I'm also fairly confident we don't currently have a uh, good enough. I mean, I know we currently don't have a good enough offense. I'm not super confident we get there by the end of the year. But even if we do, we don't have a defense. We're, we would never. Can you imagine? I mean, the two are the two teams we know we have to get through. The Eagles and the 49ers. Those teams would beat the living crap out of us with the way that they run the ball, especially the Eagles. That offensive line. I mean, it would be like that 49ers game from a few years ago where, where there were like... It was almost like they just pushed our, our defenders off the field. I've never seen so much space for running running backs to, to run through. So, yeah, I, I look, it's uh, the Packers aren't... I, I'm, I'm going to upset some people. They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. But it's it's just... We got some stuff we got to learn, we got to figure out. And that's what we're trying to do step by step. But right now, we don't have an offense, defense, or special teams that's that's ready for that. I would say that we have a below average... In all three phases right now. Potential, yeah. Potential up the wazoo. But we I've been talking about potential since forever. I'm tired of talking about potential. we got to get some people that can put this potential together and make it make it do something that it's supposed to be doing. And um, we'll see what that looks like by the end of the year, and we'll figure out where we go from there. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about that anymore. Just fingers crossed for, for, you know, every other game being a great defensive performance. we got the... the um, Las Vegas coming up, they have a terrible offense, although I would guess one of the things they would do well is, is run the ball, but I don't know. Haven't really looked into them yet. We'll see. Hopefully we don't get embarrassed by a freaking Raiders team. Um, it would suck if Devontae beat us and we couldn't stop the run and <laughs> the Raiders suddenly look like they have an offense for the first time. But um, whatever. It is what it is. Hey, Kyle again. All right, sorry. Let me wrap up my point here. I don't think I ever really got it out. Mm-hmm. There's so much to talk about. But what I meant, when I said I'd like the coaches, on, at least on offense, defense, another story, but just specifically on offense, I would like LeFleur to game plan and call plays that accept the reality of the situation on the offense, right? So, for example, instead of these plays that are long developing, just, just hoping that Walker and Newman are going to block for a five-step, which they just can't do right now. So instead of just hoping that that'll happen, well, maybe the next play when we do this, they'll, they'll, they'll get it covered. No, they're not going to. They're, they're going to have to scheme up ways to protect the quarterback to make some different throws. And there was just, like, no acknowledgement. It was almost like, yeah, we're just going to go in and do our thing with our really banged-up offensive line that's also playing poorly, and we'll just hope for the best against this front. And that's just idiotic and somewhat disrespectful to the Lions, and Packers deserve to get punched in the face for, I mean, they really did. I thought this was a really arrogant game plan on both sides of the ball, to be honest. And I don't want to say I'm glad the Lions punched us in the face, but, like, all right, learning moment for that whole organization. Like, because they did not respect what the Lions were bringing to on both both sides of the trench, they did not. The Packers did not respect in their game plans the punch that the Lions could pack, and the Lions made them look real dumb and punched them right in the face. And we deserved it. And I I respect the Lions for doing that. And that's what they should have done. It was a disrespectful game plan um, against a talented team. So instead of hoping that things work out when you don't clearly don't have the pieces, I would like the coaching staff to acknowledge what we do have right now. Acknowledge the pieces we have, the reality on the ground, and and try to come up with some plays that can at least, like, find some strengths that these guys have and call some plays that play to those strengths. I don't know what the hell those strengths are right now, but let's get a little freaking creative without having to do 15-yard back passes and flea flickers. There's got to be other things out there where we can get the ball out where it's not, I don't know, these flat passes... I mean, my God, LeFleur, 
get in your bag, get in the lab, you got 10 days or whatever, figure it out. Because what we tried to do today was disrespectful to our opponent and honestly a disservice to our quarterback and it, it just throw that out, get back in the lab and figure things out on offense. All right. Bye. Yeah, and I think that goes back to, you know, your last point, which is do we need to tone it down a little bit? Uh, which I think is is debatable. I mean, the, the hard part is, you know, you build out a game plan. I, I don't know how easy it is to throw that out and say, forget it, I'm just going to call completely different plays. You would think it would be relatively easy. It's like Madden, you just kind of like dial up a play based on what their defense is doing. But um, maybe they make too specific of game plans that they don't want to get away from. Maybe they need to have a plan B game plan. I don't I don't know, man. I don't know what goes into their week of preparation and and, uh, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, again, I can't necessarily fault him because he did build a game plan for what our team is. Not necessarily the, 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 the uh, hyper-complex stuff. That might be getting a little bit away from what we do best because we're young and inexperienced. But this is a team that cannot run block and is one of the best pass-blocking lines in football. Jordan Love has been standing in a clean pocket for like three, four, five seconds with nobody even getting to him. So I completely understand, especially against the Lions, who do not have a good pass rush. They just don't. I understand the plan being, we're going to throw it all over the yard. And, and you, you expect this game to be a shootout, too, because the, Fal- the, uh, the, the Lions' defense is not good, but their offense can be scary. So... You throw the first punch. Now, I get that it didn't work, and that's not how it panned out, but, you know, that's looking at it going backwards. If you look at it going forwards, there's no way you could have anticipated our offensive line just completely crumbles, and Isaiah freaking Bugs is terrorizing our linebacker, or our, our quarterback. Um, just a complete disaster. Now, again, I, I don't know what goes into... You know, let's just burn everything we worked on this week and start doing something else. I mean, it's it's really to some degree as simple as uh, the the head coach just calling a different play. You're calling. You have the play sheet. I know you have a bunch of stuff drawn up in terms of how much you want to do stuff and everything else, but maybe just throw that on the ground and just focus on the game and 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 the flow of the game and say we just got to run it. Put Aaron Jones in and run the ball. And just tell Jordan, don't check out of it. They're going to be eight men in the box. I want you to run it. That's what we're doing. There is no, there is no second play here. There is no nothing to check to. I don't know. But again, I tend to look at it more as, you know, not specific play calling necessarily, because I'm sure there were some mistakes that were made, and maybe it was a little bit too complex. But the general game plan of coming into it and throwing wasn't a faulty game plan. It just was horrific execution. And and the reason I say that is if we go forward and say we got to stop throwing and we got to start running more, knowing full well that what we witnessed is not what we're going to see the rest of the year, I, I think that that's that's setting ourselves up for a disaster. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take our first break, and we will be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, Ryan. This hey. is uh, Dan from uh, Arizona. I haven't called in a while, but I had to call on this one. This is the day after the game. I don't know what Matt LaFleur is thinking. But he's acting like our offensive line is the greatest one in the NFL. And it seemed like his whole play call scenario was, we're going to throw deep now that we got Christian Watson back or whatever. And he's trying to run these deep patterns, and our line can't block anybody. Again, this seems to be a massive misconception among a lot of fans. Again, coming into this game, this was without any doubt based on almost any metric, that this is a top five, probably top three pass-blocking offensive line. They can't run block. It's the pass-blocking. And that includes last week, as in prior to this last game, where we had Royce and we had Rashid playing. So, I, I, it's, it's, I don't know where this is coming from, this idea that they have been a horrific... In fact, one of the biggest criticisms of Jordan Love is he's he's been too comfortable. We don't actually know if he's good because he's been sitting in a clean pocket. He's one of the least pressured quarterbacks in football. So that is a big misconception that seems to have cropped up, and I don't exactly know where it comes from other than there's conflation between people know we can't run block, and so then we say we have a bad offensive line, which means we can't pass block. I don't know, but... Yeah, that's not exactly correct. I really believe Josh Myers is the catalyst to the failure. He makes the guards on both sides of him worse, especially without Elton Jenkins in there. I'm satisfied with the tackles, but our entire interior line is horrible. We've got to get a new center and hopefully pick up another guard somewhere that can play better than Royce Newman. Because I saw all those guys on their butts multiple times in the first half. They couldn't block anything. I'm not surprised that Bugs is tearing us up. He's no good in any of the other games, but he ate our lunch in both games last year. They should have known that was coming. And then after three drives, not even giving the ball to Eric Jones, then they're going to run A.J. Dillon up the gut a couple times for like two yards. Sorry, that's on Matt LaFleur. His play calling was piss poor in the first half, definitely. The defense, Slayton started good. Nobody else on the line did. I know maybe they had something in the second half, but that's when they were so far behind. The Lions were already taking the foot off the gas and everything, and they got it's all garbage time to me. Um, they got to understand, man. Jordan's got to get rid of the ball in like two and a half seconds. He can't be running deep patterns. They got to come up with something else. Um, if Keyshawn Nixon runs one more stupid kick out of the end zone, <laughs> then I don't know what you do about Rich Bisaccia because he should be telling him, look, dude, if it's in the end zone, take the 25 free yards because when he runs it out, we get a damn penalty and we go back even further. Terrible. Rasul Douglas has been good this year except in the first touchdown in the game. Good Lord, what was he thinking? I think he thought maybe he was going to jump a short route and it wasn't there and the guy smoked him deep for a wide-open touchdown. It's terrible. I don't know what else to do about that. But, yeah, totally frustrated. Anyway, that's all I got for now. Yeah, and again, I, I think there is a lot of 
looking at what ha- what's happening now and just throwing everything out and and wanting to, everybody seems to want to just retreat into like let's just play it safe. We all cheered when Keyshawn Nixon said, "I don't know what a touchback is" or something like that. We cheered because he's so good, he's amazing, and now it hasn't worked, and we're like, "Just stop, you idiot!" Like we just take a knee. So we've given up on that. We've given up on the offensive line, which has been good forever except for one game. We've given up on Matt LaFleur. We've given up on Jordan for a lot of us. Given up on the defense. Given up on everything. And I I just, I don't think we should overreact. I mean, if we want Keyshawn to just quit, I mean, I get it. It hasn't been working. But that's what I'm saying. Do we we just give up then? Because if you want to win, you got to be special. And it seems like everybody wants to retreat to subpar. Just take a knee. Just run the ball with Aaron Jones. Quick passes only. No deep passes. Abandon the offensive line. Get rid of Royce. Get rid of Josh Myers. Get rid of John Runyon. Like, we're not going to have a team left. Rich Bisacci has got to go. Joe Barry's got to go. I mean, you might be right. I'm just saying it's one game and everything is all. Let me, let me give you just kind of a, a quick example here, I guess. Josh Myers has had only four pressures this entire year in four games. He had two coming into the game and then doubled it with two more in this game. So he doubled the amount of pressures he gave up. Rasheed Walker had two pressures coming into this game. He gave up four against Detroit. John Runyon only had two pressures through three games. He gave up five in this game. Zach Tom has only given up two pressures in three games. He gave up six in this game. Even Royce, as, as, as much as he's not very good, he gave up... Um, four pressures through his basically two games, and he gave up five in this game. And so, again, I don't want to pretend that Rashid giving up four pressures, Royce giving up five, Josh Myers giving up two, Runyon giving up five, and Zach Tom giving up six is the norm, and we need to change everything around that. We need to run the ball. We need to stop passing so much. We need to abandon Christian Watson, who just came back. We were all excited about it. Screw it. We got to scrap it because our offensive line can't block. We're panicking. And we're, we're turtling, we're cowering, we're hiding. No more fancy stuff, no more trick plays, no more explosive plays, no more taking it out of the end zone. Like, we want just old-school, boring, predictable offense. And we'll just hope that Aaron Jones is just better than the eight-man box and better than our terrible run-blocking offensive line, which is what it's always been consistently, and that somehow we can win that way. Maybe you're right, but I don't really want to go out that way. I'd rather not go out cowering. Take it out of the end zone, but freaking block for him. And stop the freaking penalties. I don't want to hide from penalties. This is, it's, just, it's similar to what I said about Matt LaFleur before when, like his first year or whatever, and they flew out to California and guys were staying out too late and they were breaking curfew or whatever, and then they played like crap. And so what did he do? He decided to try to hide from the problem. He says, we're going to go out a day later to try to prevent people from actually making mistakes rather than addressing the problem and say, no, we're going to go out on Friday, not Saturday. And if you do that crap again, you're off the team address it don't run from it don't hide from it so you know maybe there need to be some tweaks but i don't want to i don't want to just throw up the white flag and say well we suck so why try because then we're just definitely going to (laughs) lose we're not good enough to be uh just average plain jane boring football team um that just wins that way i just i don't think that that's going to happen so I don't know. We'll see what they do. Maybe maybe that is their plan. And I think, again, to some degree, maybe they should reel it in a little bit, but a little bit and temporarily. And that's it. Because um, I'm not shooting for below average. I'm shooting for Super Bowls. So we set the tone. This is how we play. Get on board or get off the team. That would be my preference, I guess. Hey, Ryan. It's Brian from Illinois. Hey. I know my thoughts are kind of like a gunshot and they're all over the place, but like the gold package stuff for the tickets and being sold to all those Lions fans was just ridiculous. The top paid players in the Packers, they're, they're not even playing. Um, I like Matt LaFleur's play calling. I like how we does things but his it's almost like he overthinks some games like this and it just looks terrible um and yeah it's just all these things just come i know this hopefully this is our bottom hopefully this is the game that they can look at and be like yeah 
we have 100% have to play better. Our offensive line is just falling apart. And so, yeah, let's hope this is the ground floor and let's get it going. See you later, bud. You know what sucks is this is like identical to what happened last year. We won a lot of the games early, um, but they didn't feel good. And then we started losing games and it was like, well, hopefully that this is like the kick, you know, kick in the behind that we needed. And then that didn't happen. And then we just kept going lower. And it's like, well, hopefully that was like the rock bottom. That was like the moment that they re- and it just never came. And then all of a sudden there was an explosion and everything was great. And then we just sucked at the end. But yeah, it feels very reminiscent to last year. So, I, I mean, listen. Part of the anguish that I think we're feeling, and this is what somebody else had pointed out to, is the fact that we started setting expectations really high. We beat the Saints, we beat the Bears, and it's like, man, you know, watch out for the Packers. If they can, if we can just tighten up this, that, or the other, we're going to be so good. And um, we're starting to slip down the other side of the mountain, and now there's panic setting in. So, I don't know. Just, just step back from your expectations for a minute. Let it play out. Let's see what these guys can do and what they can't do, and we'll go from there. Because, um, yeah, it's it's obvious that at some point, the expectation... And I shouldn't even say at some point. I had people call in and give record predictions, and they're saying 10, 11, 12, 13 wins. So <laughs> I guess it's always been expectations too high, and so maybe that was part of the problem. But anyways, uh, Nate. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. I'm calling in with just a couple things. First of all, um, I see a lot of Lions fans like mad that uh, St. Brown got beer thrown on him for doing the Lambo leap. Um, really, really easy solution. Don't do the Lambo leap unless you have a green G on your helmet. Yep. Stop. Stop doing it. It's it's our thing. It's been established for decades. Stop trying to do it in our home field. Um, so that's pretty simple to me, uh, easy solution. So I, I don't feel bad for him at all. I think he should have had more beer dumped on him personally. Right. Um, the next thing, um, no, I'm not saying that. We- I think the standard is people usually push him out of the stands, but, you know, if you can't get there, I think a beer is the next best thing. We should hunt gold package holders for sport. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if, uh, if we were to have a, a special event, at Lambeau Field, and we, you know, we're to send the send you know invitations out to those gold package members, and and we say it's a it's a big event. You're going to get a bunch of free stuff. Um, you'll get to meet every player on the roster. Like make it super enticing, and then they were to go to Lambeau Field, all of them, and then we were to lock and bolt the doors shut, and then we just release like all of our craziest fans in there. You know, I'm I'm not saying that's the worst idea. You know, just see what happens. Whatever happens, happens. Um, and actually, I changed my mind. You know, if we if we were to hunt them for sport, uh, I, don't, I don't think it. They're really fucking old anyway, so I don't think it would be that challenging. But I yeah, the gold package, um, the season ticket holders. I'm sick of them. Sick of them sitting down, being quiet, shushing other people. I'm just, I'm totally, totally and completely sick of it. Um, we need to change something. Something's got to change in those stands, man. Go back up. Well, I got to do something I never thought I'd have to do, but I got to put a disclaimer out there. The Packernet podcast does not condone the murder of any Packer fans <laughs> for any reason whatsoever, or any fans or any people or animals necessarily, although it's debatable. Definitely not Packer fans, though. So um, we'll start with that. Secondly, and I already addressed it, but okay, so they're dead. Not not by my hand, obviously. I, I had nothing to do with that. What happens to the tickets? They go online and Lions fans buy it again. That's my big issue. Now, as far as the sitting and shushing, I have heard conflicting results that that's, you know, it's not those people doing it, but I mean, you know, everybody that's experienced the shushing, I think has experienced somebody at least in their 60s or older. So... By saying it's generally the older crowd, I think it's safe to say that it probably is. And um, I am with Nate on that one. Not the murder part. Very anti-murder, this guy over here. All right? Like super massively, almost to an absurd degree, anti-murder. But um, (laughs) yeah, I I don't know, man. 
I, 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 we don't really get anybody calling in defending it, so I would love to know what the thought is, because, first of all, you didn't, you're not the only one that paid for your ticket. You paid for a ticket and you want to sit. Nobody's telling you you have to stand. Other people paid for a ticket and they want to stand. And you could say, well, if we all sit, then we can all see. And if you stand and I want to sit, then I can't see. Then there's a simple question, for me anyways, and it comes down to precedent. What is the expectation? And when the head coach and all the players say, please, 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 please stand and make noise, that's the expectation. And if you say, well, I don't want to stand, that's fine. You don't have to. You, have, you can sit and you just won't see third and fourth downs. You can watch it on the Jumbotron. Or better yet, just don't go to the game, which maybe they're not, which is why they're selling it, which is why, uh, you know, rivals have so many tickets, which does then beg the question of should these people be getting these tickets to begin with? I don't know. I don't know. I've said this before, the confusing thing to me is they have to know, right? I mean, maybe they don't. Maybe they, I mean, they're not listening to podcasts. They're not watching any, they're not on social media. They're not watching the Packers press conferences. So they don't know what the coaches and players are saying. They don't know what the other fans are saying. They just go to the game and think that there are all these young, uh, inconsiderate people at the games that keep standing and uh, refuse to do the wave when we're on offense. And they're just, they're, they don't understand uh, culture and etiquette, apparently. I don't know. Because I don't know how you can have the entire team, the coach, telling you, please do this thing. And you're like, nope, coach is wrong. Everybody's wrong. I'm right. You're very obviously not. Hi, Ryan. This is the, the Pennsylvania Packers fan. Hey. So after Thursday's game, maybe you can help me out with something. Um, one, you know, the coaches, they're not, Coach LaFour says he, he, we're not ready. We're unprepared. Well, he's the coach, so why can't he be prepared? You know, he's supposed to make sure the team is prepared. That's for one. Second, um, you know better than I do about contracts and everything, sir. So my question is, uh, Mr. Rogers didn't play 60%, you know, snaps. So am I understanding right what I was told from other uh, fellow Packer brothers and sisters? We could go back to the bargaining table and get a better uh Draft like we get well, the second round draft, but can we like get more than just the second draft because of what uh, Rogers didn't uh, play the snaps? So and then our our left tackle is out. So the other question I have, um, well, no, I mean we we, we have a second round pick. If we want something more than that, then um, we're gonna have to offer something. The only thing that I've heard some people suggest is if the um if the jets wanted to for example make a move and uh trade the pick they would have to make it a you know they would have to offer us something in order for us to solidify what the pick is as opposed to being conditional so that they can use it i'm not necessarily saying they would give us the first because i doubt they would because they know it's going to be a high pick but that's the only thing kind of closely resembling what it sounds like you're saying. But no, I mean, we, we if we're going to go back to the bargaining table, we have to offer something. Because otherwise we're just going saying, hey, I know it's a second, but I want more. Thanks. <laughs> and they say no. Maybe you can help me out. If we, his cap comes up next year, I believe. So instead of signing him, we can let him go, correct? So, I mean, we're a young team. I get it. So maybe Jordan Love is not the answer. But there again, this is his first year. I mean, we can't expect him just to go out there and be like Rodgers, you know. So I just think that, you know, the team needs to work harder, you know, and and, and really strive. I think we can do this, you know. Granted, we're not going to win a Super Bowl this year, but I just think that we need to really – they need to work harder and put it together and just, you know, really work hard. So that's my input. So I love listening to your podcast. So thank you. Give me your feedback. And I'll listen to it. So have a good evening. Go Pack Go. So Bakhtiari is actually under contract next year. So we can and likely will let go of him if I had to guess, although it's just a guess and we may not. But I would assume we're almost going to have to. Um, and the reason for that is he has a very sizable cap hit. 
And so we were never going to pay. I mean, so, so his cap hit next year is 40.4, million dollars. Now we were never going to pay that, but the only way that we can get that number down is to extend him, which we're not going to do. So we either say, let's keep him one more year because maybe his knee will be okay. And we pay 40 million or we let him go. If we let him go, there's a dead cap hit of $19 million, which is sizable, but it's obviously significantly less than 40 and we get him off the books in 2025 and we just kind of move on. So the only other thing I could even consider would be a massive pay cut by David Bakhtiari. If he, you know, really believes his knee is healed and he wants to play until he's 37 years old and he's like, look, give me, you know, I'll, I'll take a pay cut this year. Because the bottom line is he, he's going to be cut by the Green Bay Packers and he's not going to have a lot of money sitting out there for him. So if he gets cut, the Packers owe him nothing. So then the question is, would you rather take a pay cut and continue to play here or get cut and then take a probably a pretty low contract somewhere else? And probably like a one year if I had to guess. I don't know if anybody wants a long-term investment in David Bakhtiari at this point. But I don't know. There, there's, always, there's always that one tricky option that I'm not seeing that, uh, that comes to light at some point. But that's just kind of how I'm seeing it right now. And again, I know a lot of people say he'll never take a pay cut, but you know, kind of similar to what we had heard from Aaron Jones. I mean, yes, he's a good person, but at the same time, he's looking around going, I don't know that there was much more money for me to get out there. Because if he says no, the Packers let him go, and he's not going to get much more than that out, out you know, on the market. So it's really just a matter of the Packers coming to the table and saying, look, I know we said we're going to pay you this. We're not going to pay you this. Nobody's going to pay you this. You're never getting this. We lied. You were stupid for believing us. Sorry about that. Anyways, let's talk serious actual numbers. But, you know, again, the the, the severity of the knee, I mean, it, it it honestly could result in Bakhtiari just retiring. I mean, if, if, if he just can't get it right, um, he may just say, you know what, this is some serious damage. This is something I might be living with for the rest of my life. I want to get some weight off this knee, you know, take some, start losing some weight on his body and um, take some of that pressure off his knees, all this training, all this working out and everything else. Um, just get my body right. I've made enough money. Something like, I mean, honestly, I think that's probably the best thing. Not telling him what to do, but in reality, it just seems like this knee is, is not going to heal. I mean, it's it's taken so much time. It's had multiple surgeries. It keeps having issues. They keep trying to fix it. They keep rehabbing it. And it's like, and then he starts playing again and it just starts blowing up and swelling. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's on IR, he comes back and he's fine, but it just seems like it's kind of kind of done, done. So... And he'd be able to go out on his own terms, you know, unless there's like a give back or something, which I don't think is a thing. But in in that case, it's like, no, you're just going to have to cut me. But basically, I retired. Anyways, man, I appreciate the call. We'll take our final break. We'll be right back. Oh, you know what? We did this one already. What's going on, Ryan? It is Carson from Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, man. Um, I just want to call in and two days after the game just say that I'm not that worried about this team. Obviously, there's a disgusting loss against the Lions, but I'm not that worried about this team because of what we saw in the second half. Obviously, it is a young team. We're going to have some slow starts. We're going to have some some bad games from time to time um, like we did last week we against the Saints. I mean, we started off slow. We were able to come back and win. But if we play how we did in the second half all game, if we learn to do that by the end of the year, we're a better team than the Lions. We're a better mm-hmm. team than yeah. a lot of teams. And so I'm really not worried about it. Week four, we're two and two. If you told me at the end of last season when we lost the Lions week 18 that going into next year we would not have Aaron Rodgers, not have Alan Lazard, not have Randall Cobb, not have Adrian Ingles, not have most guys on our team – then I'll be like, well, we're going to suck. But then you tell me we're second in the division, two and two going into week five. I'm like, okay, like let's do it. And so I'm not that worried about it. And by the end of the year, if we can figure it out and not have these slow starts and just play how we did in the second half all game, we're a really, really, really good football team. So I'm not worried about it. Even like if we don't get it figured out next or this year and we figure it out next year, I mean, I'm fine with that. So, We'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully we can beat the Raiders on Monday. Um, but other than that, I got nothing. So go Pack Go. Hopefully we'll bounce back. See you later. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the stats of the Packers in the second half, it's a dominant team. And um, you say, well, that you know it's counteracted by the first half or whatever. Yeah, but not everybody has the ability. I mean, look, the, the defense has been terrible. But they've also 
had spouts of shutting people out, right? So they have that ability. They just can't do it for four quarters. The offense in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, has been really, really, really impressive. They're just really getting off to a slow start. Now, there's no guarantee that that changes, um, or even that the second half or, or what they did in the second half is, is sustainable or that they can keep doing it. But it's nice to see that they have that ability. It's not just a team that um, just continually sucks, just doesn't have the ability. You know, they, they just, they, they can't stop anything. They can't move the ball. That's not what we're seeing. We see it for part of the game. And then we, I mean, to, to be completely honest, we almost, oh my goodness, are you serious? That freaking Browns guy just lost like 20 yards. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if they can start stitching together some some four-quarter performances, which I feel like I've been saying this about the Packers for a while too, right? Like before it was kind of the opposite, right? The Packers aren't as good in the second half or third quarter is terrible or whatever the case may be. And I'm sure that's true of most teams. It's not just a Packers thing. They, you know, it's hard to put together four quarters, but you know, that's what's going to separate a good team from a mediocre team to a bad team. Like if you have a bad quarter, you're going to struggle. If you have bad halves, you're going to suck. Like you, you can't beat too many teams playing two quarters against a team playing four quarters. Just, you know, generally speaking. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. How are you, buddy? What's up, man? Just on my way out west with my wife. Nice. Going to Colorado, Yellowstone on a road trip. Hey, oh. Listening to the podcast right now, she's looking at me like I'm some kind of alien. Tell her I said sorry. Packer podcast. I wanted to just pose something. Now, All right. I think for the short term, obviously, it's not good to lose David Bakhtiari for the year. However, I do believe you could make an argument that it is a positive thing in this way, okay? A couple months ago, I called you and I said that I promise you that Brian Gutekunst has the stomach for some of the things that we're going to see this year that the fans are just not going to have a stomach for. For example, the offensive line. I know, like, everybody's clamoring. we got to, you know, sign people. Let's trade for people. Let's cut people. He ain't going to do it. Right. And I, the, you know, anytime you lose an all-world player, yes, that, that is not great, um, his, his availability notwithstanding. However, outside of defensive coordinator, I do think that's one thing where he will not hold his nose if it is not improving by the end of this year substantially. I do think he might get involved in that personnel decision. But if you look at David Bakhtiari and where he fits in the time frame that this team has for championship. He's not really on it. And so the positive is, I think Goody and the coaches, they're going to see what they have in an offensive line. And in a way, it saves us from having to waste a year post-Bakhtiari next year trying to figure out what they have in some of these guys. Sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jenkins ends up left tackle. But, I mean, I do think that maybe they give Tenuta a shot. I don't know. But I do think it saves us maybe a year of experimenting. Do it now. You know, get that old. And then if you need to make some moves in the, in the draft, you've got two seconds coming. Uh, if there isn't, you know, a, an offensive lineman you like in the first. And so I do think it expedites that, you know, let's find out process of the offensive line and not have Bakhtiari there, which we really, we didn't know how much we were going to have him anyway. So I just want to call and make that point. I think it's an important one, even though it might be painful. Um, it's valuable. All right, talk to you later. Yeah, and honestly, I'd be pretty shocked if the answer to the question, I mean, I know everybody loves Rasheed Walker, and he's done a great job for being a seventh-round pick and all that, just like everybody loved Yash Nyman too, and I was kind of a little bit more lukewarm on him, and it's like, no, this guy's a dog. He's really good. Look, if they have an opportunity to get one of these truly elite first-round prospects, they're not going to go, nah, we got Rasheed Walker. Like, that's not going to be a thing. Um, it, it, there, there's just a massive gap between these. And it's not to say that uh, 
any of these first-round guys are guarantees, but the, the amount of things that they can do. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're more athletic. They're, they're just absolute freaks. Oh, ball came out. They're just, I gotta stop watching the games. Um, and so you're right. It, it really, But I think the bigger point is it comes down to, is it crisis panic mode where we absolutely have to get a tackle? Or we may have to move some things around. We may have to trade up more aggressively or something, whereas we didn't necessarily want to before. And yeah, maybe maybe with Rashid and Yash and Zach Tom and the potential for Elton to move out if, if that's a, a desperate need. You know, we could try to fill the, the guard spot a little easier than it is to find a, a guy that can handle the tackle spot. Maybe we at least feel some level of comfort. But again, there, there's nobody that's going to stop them from getting... So if they have like a, a guy that's like a 9.5 out of 10 on their grading scale or however they grade, I don't know, they're taking them. Just flat out, done deal. But yeah, it's it's always, I mean, it's just, it's it's information gathering. That's what this whole season is about. And now we get more information, like you said, about a guy that's going to be about the future, you know, Rashid Walker, for example, as opposed to a guy that's not like David Bakhtiari. Hey, Ryan and Seth. Hey. I'm hoping you can hear me all right. I have, a, I have a little bit of a cold and I am calling from my, uh, my earbuds because I'm trying to multitask over here. Um, but I just had a few thoughts on the game. Um, and I'm going to try to be able to positive. Don't take me long. I was irate while the game was happening when the game ended, especially when the game started, for that matter. Um, so that was, you know, I was, yeah, so pissed off. But it's been a, a few days now. And I'm trying to think through what caused the issues, what's the problems, what's, you know, was there any positives? Um, I want to start off by saying I feel like the coaching staff is at least somewhat, somewhat to blame. Um, we we all act surprised like this is the end of the year and doom and gloom and people are pissed, and rightly so to some extent. But this happens every freaking year, at least once, sometimes twice. Um, you know, a couple of years ago it happened against the Vikings and the Buccaneers and I think the – Oh, the Niners, that was the other one. Yep. Um, so like the last three or four years, the, and not to mention week ones, we've had this. And so it's not new, but I have to feel like this has to be on our coaching staff to some extent. This has happened at least once. And again, to be clear, this wasn't like a 35-3 to blowout. This is a, a two-score win, right? So, there, I mean, there's a big difference between some of these massive blowouts and this game, which is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big loss. But it's it's not a it's not in the massive blowout category. Year for the last three four years, and we do not have the exact same players. In fact, we have a lot of new players this year. So, can you chalk it up to young players' tough game? Sure, but I just feel like what is the coaching staff doing that we're not prepared? We're not ready. We're not disciplined. We were so undisciplined. And actually, the last game, even though we came back at home, we were horrible that game with all the penalties. And so I love LaFleur. I'm not saying that, but just because I like him doesn't mean he's perfect. And I don't know if that's LaFleur. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, Steno and Barry. I don't know, you know, if it's the position coaches, what level that's at. And the team, the leaders of the team have to own it to some extent too. But uh, that was just bad. Um, second thought is I saw a lot of people killing Jordan Love after the game. I actually felt like when he had more than half a second to pass, he looked pretty good. And uh, his deep ball looked good. Um, but half the time, they had a couple blind reads. So that's not on him. That was one of the interceptions. The other interception was an incredible play by the defense. And so two interceptions sucks, but I'd say either one or zero is really on him. And uh, so, yeah, I actually wasn't. I'll call back. I'm almost out of time. Hey, Ryan. It's Seth again. Um, I was able to pop my earbuds out, so if you didn't hear the last call, hopefully you'll hear this one. But yeah. anyways, I, I ended my last call talking about how I was actually relatively happy with Jordan Love in the last game um, and how, you know, when your O-line gives you half a second to pass, what the heck are you supposed to do? Um, you have a blind a blind uh, play action where you're just firing to one guy no matter what, and that's intercepted. That's partially on him, but that's partially on play design. Um, so yeah, uh, a couple other thoughts is, um, 
One, I actually, people are ragging on our defense, and rightly so, because that last game was pathetic. But in my, I feel like for the year, for the most part, we haven't done terrible other than run defense. Part of that is on Utikins, because we've gotten zero true run defenders on our team, uh, or maybe one, um, in Slayton. And so, like, yes, that's frustrating, but is it really his fault? You know, I'm not sure. Um to your point, it doesn't matter if they don't if they if they struggle all year against a run like this and we have more collapses, you know, at the end of the Falcons game or this whole game is pretty bad. Um people forget though that against the Saints they only actually gave up ten points whose offense that struggled that game. But to your point, if they struggle all year, it doesn't matter. Something has to change and you can't turn over your whole defensive roster and you're not getting rid of all your first round picks, so Barry'd be be gone. Um last thought I have for you I think for the day is um, Josh Myers. I mean, the O line in general sucked, and that's unacceptable. However, you know, I was nervous going in when you got your, you know, Bakhtiari and Jenkins out. That's always nerve wracking. A running hurt his ankle partway through the game and stuck it out. So I don't know how that impacted him. But Josh Myers actually grades out halfway decent. Um, my issue with him is not his. You know, his pass blocking, they all second run blocking, but it's not his pass blocking. I think he does a decent job at that, although he does have some – I feel like when he messes up, he really messes up. You know, some people, they get beat after, you know, three seconds, and it's like, you know, that sucks. He gave up a sack, but also quarterbacks got, got to get rid of the ball. With Myers, it's like he either dominates or he gets destroyed. Um, but my biggest issue with him is the center is in charge of setting the pass blocking um, protections. And he's talked about how he struggled with that last year and Rodgers would help him. And I'm sorry, but if you're in, I think he's in year three now. I know he didn't start all of year one. Um, but if you're going to be our starting center, you got to figure that out. We can't have a young quarterback getting smoked because our center can't figure out how to set protections. So I would rather have someone that is elite at setting protections and less of a pass blocker, but, you know, good enough to get the job done. Um you know, I'll take someone that's a cons- Hey, Ryan, it's a sorry three calls in a row. I just wanted to finish that last thought, and then I'll hang up. Um, but, yeah, so Josh Myers, I just really wish he we could get someone in there to set better protections. I don't know if that's Tom. I don't know who that is. Um, one quick thought for you. I know you hate talking about free agents, but is there any, say, we decide Myers is the issue? I don't feel like we can really move Tom inside right now with Bakhtiari out, you know. Um, I mean, I suppose we could try it. Maybe Nyman will be good enough. Um but um, is there any centers out there that we could pick up? And then also, do you know about any centers in the draft next year? I know they're not typically round one, but, you know, if there was an elite center that we could have for the next 15 years, I'd be all in on that, I think. So, of course, I'd rather have a left tackle for the next, you know, that, I think it's Penn State's left tackle. Anyways, talk to you later, Ryan. Bye. Well, yeah, I mean, my my first question is, and, and we obviously don't know the answer to this, but is that is that an issue? You know, is part of these... Part of the issues we had, especially in this last game, due to Josh Myers not setting the correct protections. And I I don't know the answer to that question. Probably somewhat, but I I don't know. As far as the college thing, we kind of looked at that. And I know I think you called on Friday and there was the podcast on Saturday. But let's do something for fun here because I kind of looked at this differently after I recorded the podcast. Um, And that is just go to PFF and find the guys that are dominating right now. Uh, One guy who is not on anybody's radar is the center out of Oregon, Jackson Powers Johnson. He is currently ranked 403rd on the consensus big board, but he spent three years at Oregon. His pass blocking grades there have been 86, 86, and this year a 90. His run blocking grades the last two years have been 84.7 and 81.7. He hasn't had a single bad day. His lowest pass blocking grade this season is an 81.7 in week one. His lowest run blocking grade was this past week a 65 and he's given up one pressure so far this year. He's given up four pressures in his three-year career. He is six foot three, 320 pounds. Again, not on anybody's radar, so probably not somebody super interesting to, to take into account, but I just like looking at guys like this because if you look at the consensus big boards and then you go look at their PFF, it's like their grades suck, their stats suck, I'm not interested. Another guy, and I had somebody send me the right guard out of Michigan as somebody that's really intriguing, and he certainly does. He's a big, massive powerhouse. I forget his name. Let me see if I can find it real quick here. They sent it to me on Twitter. 
Yeah, it was uh, Anthony. Anthony sent me this on Twitter. It's Zach Zinter, big, scary right guard. But actually, the, the center there, Drake Nugent, he's another guy not, uh, let's see, where is he ranked? Not very highly. 800 and, oh, no, 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 that's not him. <laughs> that wasn't that bad. 271st uh, is where he's ranked. So still, like, way back of the draft, if if even drafted. But Drake Nugent has an 86 pass blocking grade, just giving up one pressure, and a 78 run blocking grade. So he's always been a strong, powerful run blocker. He's really excelling as a pass blocker so far this year, so that's somebody to keep an eye on. If he continues this, his last since since week two, his pass blocking grades have been 83, 83, 84, 84. And he didn't give up a pressure in that entire stretch. So keep an eye on Drake Nugent. By the way, I'm just looking at guys with good pass blocking and run blocking grades. That's it. One guy that is um, does meet that criteria and is considered sort of a high pick is Cedric Van Pran. Um, where is he at, Cedric? He is 58th, so he is in that second round range. Um, he is a center. Right now has an 80.5 pass blocking grade and a 73 run blocking grade. So he's doing well in both categories. He's given up three pressures already this year, which is not the greatest thing in the world. But he is grading out very, very well. Uh, six foot four, three hundred and ten pound Georgia guy. As far as free agents, no. <laughs> uh, if you don't have a job right now, I'm just not interested in bringing you in. I'd rather just stick with Myers and see what he can do. This is his final year to prove it, and um, we'll decide whether we want to keep him or move on after this. But uh, anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. You have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow, tonight, tonight. It's already tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye.